the little um, spongy thing fell off my microphone. So try to not sound like I just finished a three mile run. If everybody seems to be overreacting to your presence, it's because we just spent two years like giving sermons to an iPhone and it's like to see real people. You know, I feel like I'm in a 3D movie, you know, to see that there's a back to people's heads. That's I've forgotten that. So uh, thank you. And particularly visitors like we, we opened up again last week and, um, you know, just the, the faithful few showed up. And it's still obviously going to take a while to get back to normal, but um, it's it's wonderful to see new faces. So thank y'all all for being here. Something <coughs> that has really um, struck me and, and inspired me to do this next is that I keep running into people that are feeling despair, particularly after the invasion of of the Ukraine. And there's, you know, so, so much um, anger and hatred, but also despair that, that people are feeling. They feel helpless because we, we look at what Putin is doing and it's so evil. And yet we've done that to so many countries around the world ourselves. I think it's wonderful that we care so much about the Ukraine, but I think we also have to take note of the fact that um, of the, you know, 40,000 years uh, bombs a year that we drop on people since World War II, almost all of them have been dropped on people of color. And so as wonderful as it is that we can feel this horrible trauma of European people, I think to realize that um, we look a whole lot more like Putin than maybe we want to. And to realize that it's not your fault, that Jesus is going to give uh, a kind of parable today, a kind of teaching illustration for people that were in exactly the same situation. It's a sense in which they're occupied. The the, the people that are going to hear these words uh, are occupied by the Roman legions. And as, as much as we think that we're like Jesus and the disciples, we're actually a lot more like the Romans. And when, when we reinforce the power system, the hierarchy, um, that's us siding with the centurions and Pontius Pilate and, and Herod. Can we find a path out of despair? We can't change the world overnight, but with the world as it is, is there a way? Is there a path? And I think. That's what Jesus was trying to say so long ago, that even when we can't change the world overnight, we can be agents of change and live noble lives, meaningful lives, peaceful and joyful lives um, as catalysts of of a different kind of world. One problem is the teachings of the church. Uh, The United States has always been a colonial power. And so when we look at the gospel, we look through the lens of capitalism and empire. And one of the reasons why the Protestant, is everybody okay? Are we breathing okay here? Um, 
one of the reasons why the traditional church has focused on creeds so much is because that's the only way to disown the political calling that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about feeding the poor, clothing the naked, of choosing a nonviolent future. And when you take that part out, then all you have is the mumbo-jumbo stuff. So what we're talking about is returning to the actual teachings of Jesus. Not just what the church has said about Jesus, but what Jesus said and how Jesus said that we should live. I believe every religion has some way of saying this, but I think for Christians to hear these teachings of Jesus is the way to return to the peace inside our own hearts. It doesn't change the world completely, but it tells us how to be agents of change. The passage we're looking at today has been very distorted through the centuries. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Render unto God what is God. Has sort of been understood as a dualism. Um, you, you, you can have a sweatshop, but as long as you pay your tithe, then God's going to be okay with that. We can uh, exploit other cultures and other traditions. We can bully people. As long as we do a, a confession of sin, then everything's okay. I don't think that's what Jesus was teaching. I think what Jesus is teaching is, is a powerful way of living. When I was younger, there was a show on television. I don't know if it's still in syndication or not, but um, Mission Impossible. The younger people have any idea what I'm talking about on that? Back in the days of the dinosaur, here was a... In this show, it's like this impossible situation would be laid out, and then the first 99% of the show was just doing these acts that didn't make any sense until the last minute, and everything pulled together. I think when we see the teachings of the great lovers of humankind, Jesus, Buddha, people like that, a lot of times it doesn't make sense because we're not really putting in an application. I think that's particularly true of Christianity in the United States. Um, We want to praise Jesus and serve Caesar in the country. And that's how a lot of people understand our passage today. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, which is do the dirty work of your country, and then at the end of the week, go and apologize to Jesus for doing it. So I think Jesus is, is, is calling us to something here, to the life that I think we've always wanted. And we'll see if at the end of the sermon you agree that that's what the passage means or not. It's really important before we just take that verse out of context to realize that the religious people are trying to trap Jesus again. Scripture says they're trying to trap him in his words. There's certain religious traditions that you always feel like there's mousetraps everywhere. They ask you these yes or no questions, and you know, you know that there's a pit they've dug for you to fall into. So, when we read the actual story of Jesus' life, it's like religious people are a problem, right? I mean, Jesus is getting along really great with the sinners. 
but it's the officials, the government officials, the, the people who've sold out to the Roman Empire. A lot of people think that the New Testament is criticizing Judaism. It is not. It's criticizing religion that is sold out to the state. Right? When a Christian says America first, they're renouncing Christ. You get that? If America's first, that means Christ isn't first. So just because they have the big hat and the long garb should not fool anybody. So they've laid this trap. Jesus, is it okay for us to pay taxes? First, they flatter him. I've got, this is, another old show was uh, Leave it to Beaver. Does anyone, Eddie Haskell. Hello, Mrs. Cleaver, Mr. Cleaver. You look so beautiful today. This is sort of the attitude of these religious people. Because teachers, we know you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Is it okay for us to pay taxes? Yes or no? Now, if he says yes, he's going to lose all of his followers. Because this area of the world is like Ukraine. They're occupied by brutal foreign power. They're also like El Salvador. They're also like Guatemala. I mean, the empires of the world, we may think we're the good bullies beating up the bad bullies, but if we talk to our victims, we realize it's a little more complicated than that. But if Jesus answers yes, he'll lose his followers. If he says no, that it's not okay to pay taxes, he's going to get arrested and crucified, which, plot spoiler, happens anyway. Um, but come on Easter anyway, because, yeah. So, um, so Jesus does something very clever. He doesn't fall into that either or. Whenever anybody asks you a question, a religious question, either or, they're not being theological, they're being political. Right? It's a mousetrap, because life isn't either or. Truth isn't either or. Human words are either or. So Jesus says, well, show me, show me a coin. Show me one of these coins that you're using to pay the tax. These, these are people that have sold out to Rome. So that's no problem. They have a Roman coin in their pocket. But Jesus is just one by reframing it, right? If they have a Roman coin, it has an image of Caesar, which is an idol. And it also says that he's, that Augustine is, is I mean, uh, Augustus is divine. So that adds blasphemy to it. So all of a sudden, the shoe's on the other foot. He says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Render unto God what is God's. Now, if you were Jewish and you knew um, the Jewish scriptures, and maybe you do, but probably most of you don't, um, this is what would probably pop into your mind when you heard this story. This is from Genesis. And God said, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may tend over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock and all the wild animals, 
over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created humankind in God's own image. It says male and female, they were created. So if the image of Caesar is on the coin, a Jewish person would ask, well, where do I find the image of God? And the listener would realize that's us. Human beings are the image of God. So we have to choose which of those is primary in our heart. That image of power, military might, of national pride, or of raw humanity. The ancients thought that human beings express God in a very unique way. We're able to be logical. We're able to be creative. And that gives us a responsibility to nature, to life, and to each other. Human beings are the manifestation of whatever the process is. Is a cosmic process? Then that, that's our source. And when we love and when we're wise and kind, um, we express that. That idea of the image of God in each person was a very radical concept. It was a humanism that said you value people more than you value things. If you look at other people through the eyes of empire, then a lot of people are disposable, aren't they? If you look at people through the eyes of capitalism, then a lot of people are disposable. But if you see yourself and each other as the image of God, as of God's manifestation on earth, then humans are the measure of value, not property. When a culture does its ethics using property rights, then those without property have no rights. Do you understand that? That under capitalism, under property rights, a system of property rights, when that's where the value comes from, then those without property have no rights. If you want to understand American history, it's going to make a whole lot more sense when you realize what Jesus is, is talking about. To be in the image of God does not mean to look like God. God's much taller, and uh, hair looks great. Uh, but it's qualities that are being talked about of a human being. And we express it not by flattering God, but by being fully human. The qualities that Paul talks about when he describes love are the image of God. Love is patient. Love is kind. So when we live in love, that's the image of God. Think of the heroes of your life. Think of people that your whole life you've admired. I would guess a lot of them are people that manifested their humanity in very bleak times. Times like this. 
times when there are laws, lies that are, are manifest in the name of news or truth. Time when cruelty is being exercised in the name of morality. There have been people through history that chose to be kind in the face of cruelty, to be truthful in the face of love, lies. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about here. In this confusion, in this madness that's all around us, listening again to our own hearts. Because that's where the revolution has to start. It can't start with our causes, but our causes can grow out of that. So the first thing I think that would occur to a Jewish listener when Jesus says, render unto Caesar, what is Caesar's? Is okay, if the image of Caesar's on the coin, where do I find the image of God? And then second, I think they would ask, well, if this coin belongs to Caesar, what belongs to God? And if you were Jewish, the answer would be everything. Which doesn't mean you don't owe things to your family, to your country, to yourself. It means that universal love is the context for national love. Again, to say America first is to renounce universal love. To say that America is exceptional is to renounce any standard of measurement for our own ethics. Martin Luther King used to say that America needs a revolution of values, that we need to move from a thing-centered culture to a person centered culture. And what he didn't know and what a lot of biblical authors didn't know is we've got to include animals too and plants, right? This love has to be ecological or it's not going to work. So universal love, that circle gets wider and wider as time goes on. But to say that the gospel isn't political is also to renounce Christ. Because it's to say that love doesn't have to look at its consequences. Love cannot exploit other people. The idea that slaveholders love their slaves is a lie. Right? If you love somebody, you set them free. Love has to grow into justice. Or it's not true love. And that's why there are political implications. Throughout this series, the way includes caring for the poor, the weak, people who are different than you, loving your enemies. And Christians give great lip service to that, but then we vote for people that make that world impossible. Right? Don't don't say you care about the poor and then vote your wallet. Right? Don't say you love humankind and then say that some people don't deserve the same rights to vote or they need to be watched more. Don't say you love freedom and then build prisons. Jesus is calling us to our own hearts. The image of God is that place in your heart that isn't for sale to capitalism. 
The image of God is that place in your heart that isn't scarred by national boundaries. It embraces all of humankind and all of our animal relatives and the plants. And it lives in peace with the whole, even when it cannot be in control of of its current condition. Even if the world still stays mad and crazy and doing all kinds of things, the revolution begins in your heart when you love. So as we go out into the world at the end of this service, I hope you will remember that you were equipped to transform the nightmare of the world. Maybe not all of it, but to be an agent of change. And like Mission Impossible, it's all of the pieces fit together. Right? We each just do our own. Have you ever been on a bad volleyball team where nobody plays their own position? Right? Everybody's so busy playing everybody else's position. I think Jesus is teaching you just live your life. Just do what is right within your situation, what is loving within your situation. And you'll discover you're a manifestation of whatever the source of being is. Like that image of of Caesar made the, the, the coin sort of represent Rome. Your kindness, your wisdom, your honesty will represent whatever the creative love that gives us life. But love has to grow into justice. It has to include every other being. It has to not only see the the image of God in itself, but also in every being. And that's what calls us to justice. So your mission, should you choose to accept it? Is to find that place in your heart. that is filled with love and wisdom. And to have faith in the fact that the revolution begins in your own heart when you love. Well, these are my struggles with the text. I'm only one person. We take a minute each week for you to uh, consider how you understand this text.